eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Goldcamp, here with my co-host, Blake Alderman. Uh, obviously, guys, we shot a podcast on Sunday afternoon, or really Sunday morning is when we shot. Podcast was posted midday Sunday, and then very shortly after, the news started to trickle out that Florida was parting ways with head coach Dan Mullen. So, Blake, I guess first and foremost, uh, I want to lay out this podcast today in a couple different ways. Uh, we've obviously been reporting on Florida's coaching search for the last, uh, I don't know, 36 hours or so. We've had some some news and notes that we've posted on Swamp 24-7 for our subscribers. Um, and we'll touch on some of that, but probably not all of that. Uh, what I want to do on this podcast is fo- focus more kind of on the big picture process. You know, what Florida's looking for, um, why different candidates may make sense, uh, why Florida moved on from Dan Mullen. So I guess, Blake, uh, first and foremost, we, we've, we have talked about it a lot on this podcast about feeling like uh, kind of the end for Dan Mullen was a little bit inevitable. But what's your sense of why ultimately Florida pulled the trigger and, and decided it needed to make a move? Well, I just think you look at just the loyalty he's had to coaching staff members um, that weren't getting it done on the recruiting trail. Um, you look at even last year where Florida had a historically bad defense. Todd Grantham was still retained. You know, you kind of had some scapegoats of, you know, Torian Gray, who I think may was more one than mo- more so Ron English. I think Ron English was a guy that you could easily upset was an upgrade, you know, with a guy like, uh, you know, McGriff. Um, I think whenever you look at just the recruiting it wasn't quite there up to standards. Um, even this year, there wasn't a lot of confidence of the, you know, that the talent coming in, you look at a lot of the guys that Mullen had success with in that 2020 season, obviously he coached him up, but those weren't his guys. You look at the future, you know, some of the guys that Florida had coming in under Mullen and the recruiting classes and whatnot, you just saw a drop off. So I think just that, I don't know that there was a lot of confidence that, you know, this roster was going to continue to get better other than using the portal here and there, which is kind of a band aid in some areas. So in my opinion, that was more what it is. Um, I think whenever you have a guy that, is a genius X's and O's play caller. I feel really confident saying that Mullen is one of the best in college football of just the game day X's and O's, really knowing an offense. But I think all the other facets of the program, I just think he really was starting to struggle with. And it was becoming more and more predominant as his, as his tenure went on. Yeah, I think the sense that I got, you know, from listening to athletics director Scott Strickland talk about the decision to make the change, I think it's very much that he felt uh, – when he hired Dan Mullen, that he was getting a guy that had shown he could build up a program kind of from the ground up at Mississippi State. And then he had proven that he was able to kind of sustain uh, at least a reasonably high degree of success at that program. Now, 
the thought was hopefully that would translate better at Florida with better talent. I think to the, to the point you made about recruiting, that was hard to, uh, to really see manifest itself in his time at UF. It, it never really materialized where those arguments of just wait till you see what he does with UF talent, you know, that, that just never really happened under Dan Mullen's tenure. And I think that was part of the reason, you know, Scott Strickland felt this needed to, to go a different direction. But I also think part of it is what Strickland talked about, what they're looking for in a new hire, which is they, they want a guy that can come in and sustain that success at a high level for a long time. And, you know, Dan Mullen actually pointed to that in, in really, I don't know if it was his first press conference, uh, so I don't want to be quoted on that, but it was either it, sometime early in his tenure, he talked about, and it might have been a Gator Booster Tour uh, kind of thing, but he talked about Florida had, you know, gone through prior to his arrival, um, you know, an SEC East title in 2012 with, with Will Muschamp. Granted, they didn't go to Atlanta that year, but they had won the division title, and then, couple years later, you have the four and eight season a year later. Uh, Jim McElwain comes in, wins the SEC East twice, but then, you know, you have another four win season. And so he kind of described it going like this. And what he had hoped to do was kind of raise, you know, that expectation and that standard. And you see it on the field. I mean, five and six, they they just haven't accomplished that end. And so I think, uh, Blake, let's talk about what we think Florida's looking for in a new guy. I don't know if there was anything that maybe stuck out to you from what Scott Strickland said, but w- what is your thinking as far as what Florida is probably looking for and then what they actually need in your opinion? Uh, you know, from my opinion of what they're looking for, I think they're looking for someone that's going to bring some juice in the program, going to energize things, going to be a relentless recruiter, um, really kind of be that CEO type of person in a program, have the staff there, um, have trust in them to know that they're going to get the job done. Um, I, that was kind of my takeaways. And I think a lot of that really has, I th- in my opinion, I think that's what you need. Um, I think you need a guy that's going to understand that, you know, you're in the state of Florida, you know, you really shouldn't have to go very far outside of your radius there um, for recruiting some of these guys, um, you know, just someone that's going to be relentless on the recruiting trail, whether it be the head coach or whether having the guys in there on your staff, that's going to understand that, you know, adding those big time players um, and knowing that, you know, the X's and O's are great, but the Jimmy's and Joe's can really bring in, you know, and really raise your level of program. So I think for me, um, just someone that's going to understand that, you know, at Florida, you know, you have, so many things to sell, you know, you have, you know, the, the big state program in the state of Florida, you've got the SEC to sell, um, you know, just a lot of things to really sell at Florida. And, and I think that, you know, being able to relate to those guys on the recruiting show, and I guess maybe I'm a little bit more biased, in my opinion, just because I cover recruiting. So I think for me, wanting someone in there um, that's really going to understand that recruiting is important. Um, but I think overall, just understanding that your staff, you know, it's I think one thing that was kind of a fault with Mullen was that he was really loyal to some of those guys. Um, so I think understanding, you know, the, the conference you're in, the level of play there and understanding that, you know, finding the right guys can be very important in a coaching staff and in your future of keeping things sustainable. Yeah, I think the the danger sometimes in, in some of these coaching hires and uh, from what I've seen covering, you know, I, I would I've go back to the Urban Meyer years here at Florida since I've been in uh, this kind of position. The tendency is you, you kind of almost go a lot of times the opposite direction of the guy you just had, right? And a lot of the stuff you're describing are absolutely things that need to be fixed, need to be addressed as far as recruiting, bringing in better talent, uh, making sure that, you know, you're not blinded by staff loyalty to the point where, you know, guys are not really getting it done. You got to have a good staff. So I think those are absolutely things that Florida is going to look for. I think the Gators do need to be careful not to overemphasize any one area. And I think Scott Strickland has a pretty good handle on that. I think the way that he runs Florida's program, uh, he's done a really good job, I think, of pushing forward the infrastructure 
And uh, when I say infrastructure, I mean kind of bringing Florida up to speed in in the modern college football arms race as far as facilities, as far as uh, the amount of resources that Florida is allocating to the football program, the ability for coaches, you know, when you hire them, you're kind of letting them do their thing. You, you trust them. That's what good leaders do. And I think, you know, for Florida, you need to make sure you don't lose the developmental aspect as well. I, I do think... Florida fans probably want an offensive coach. I think Florida is one of those teams that, you know, you think of, you know, Steve Spurrier's Urban Myers, even Dan Mullen, where you put up a lot of yards and a lot of points. So I think that's fair that fans would want a guy that's offensive just because that's just what you, when you think of Florida, you just think of points, you know, right. like you think right. of the team running up the score and airing it out. Right. And I mean, as, as much as, you know, we've kind of pounded the door about some of the things that Dan Mullen wasn't doing well, you really can't point to, the offense that much now obviously there's been games Missouri an example of them not getting it done but you know when they were healthy this year even this year the offense was putting up pretty solid numbers against quality teams so uh you know it's important not to forget you know the years before that and I'm not saying that you know the expectations should change just because the last three coaches have ultimately come in and failed uh but I do think you have a dynamic where fans fans expect good offense right and so you need someone that's going to be able to produce that doesn't necessarily have to be an offensive guy but it's got to be a guy in my opinion that you know when you go to start your search is your scott strickland which i'm sure he's done a couple weeks ago uh you've got to have at least a semblance of a track record of being able to uh hire the type of offensive coaches that can get it done you know if you're a defensive guy i want to see Okay, what happened when you lost your best coordinator? What happened when you lost your best quarterback? And the guys that I think are going to be the best candidates for Florida are going to be ones that have shown that they can win in different ways, sort of similar to how Dan Mullen was able to adapt the offense from, you know, what they had with Felipe Franks to a much pass, you know, a much more pass-heavy attack with Kyle Trask. That's what I'd be looking for. I think those are kind of things that, uh, you know, Scott Strickland's going to be looking for. And ultimately, I think, you know, the reason that Florida wanted to be so patient with Dan Mullen Blake and, and we reported, you know, really up until honestly, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon when we got, you know, started to get texts about the team being called in for a meeting, they, they wanted to give him patience. It obviously got to a point where it was untenable, but I think one of the reasons they wanted to give him patience is Florida has a lot working for it right now from the back end standpoint. And, and what I mean by that is all of the infrastructure changes that Scott Strickland has pushed for is pushing for, like the facilities that you know are, are incredibly important to recruiting. To me, this sets up as just an absolutely perfect time for Florida to not only pitch this job to a really good candidate, but for that candidate to come walk in and be able to immediately start to build some, some momentum for Florida, especially on the recruiting trail. Yeah, and that's what they need. You just have so many things you can sell to recruits. Um, having someone that understands how important it is. Um, you know, I think understanding that, you know, the four, four and five-star players – you know, you got to work for them. You got to press for them. You've got to be, you've got to live, eat, sleep recruiting. And, you know, and that's, that's something that I'm looking forward to hopefully with this next coaching staff, just because uh, I'd be uh, understating it if I said that uh, it wasn't very fun covering recruiting over the last couple of years for me. Yeah, no doubt, man. And, and, you know, I'm, I, I'm not nearly as in the weeds as you are with recruiting. I think anybody that's followed me, followed you over the years knows that that is, you know, your bread and butter. And I kind of follow it from the helicopter view, but I, I do think there's a significant amount of evidence over the last 10, 15 years that the teams that are doing the best are stacking a lot of talent. And it doesn't mean you can't overcome a talent deficit within an individual game. It doesn't mean you can't, uh, you know, have a season where you have something spectacular happen, even though you're not maybe the most talented team, 
But by and large, there's a correlation there that plays out. And and I think Florida is a place where you shouldn't have to settle on recruiting, right? And right. when you get to that level of, you know, the top SEC jobs, you got to be able to do it all. You got to be a five-tool prospect. And at least the effort in all of those phases has to be there. So, Blake, I'm with you. Let's take a quick break. Uh, I think when we come back on the other side, let's talk a lot about some of the candidates we think may fit for this job. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the VIP info we've posted on Swamp 24-7 in the last uh, 24 hours, really the last 12 hours. Um, and, and we'll discuss some of that right after this commercial break. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Goldcamp, here with Blake Alderman. Blake, right before we went to commercial, uh, we were talking about some of the things that we think Florida will be looking for in this hire as they uh, set out to replace Dan Mullen. I think one of the things that was was pretty interesting, uh, listening to Scott Strickland at his Sunday press conference after he announced Dan Mullen you know, would be fired and they would be moving a different direction, he made it very clear to point out that Florida is very aligned from an administration standpoint, from the university president down to the board of directors, board of trustees, um, the UAA itself with Strickland and the boosters. And I thought that was a an interesting comment, to say the least. Obviously, in, in my opinion, some of that is, you know, uh, kind of peacocking a little bit for prospective uh, potential targets. And we'll talk more about those in a minute. Um, but I think that's something to keep in mind. First and foremost, I guess let, let's start talking about candidates. Lane Kiffin is a guy that I know a lot of Florida fans uh, have kind of been hyped about. I think mostly the younger generation. I think uh, there's a little bit of a generational divide on you know where Florida fans stand on Kiffin. Uh, Blake, I, I guess I don't even. I'm not even going to really ask for your thoughts on Lane Kiffin because I can tell you from my end, after talking to several really pretty good sources, I don't think Florida is in the market for Lane Kiffin at all. I think because of some. Behind, behind the scenes things that have already gone down at Florida, I think he's a candidate you just can't touch. And there's some some reasons behind that that, you know, if Scott Strickland and his staff have already done some vetting, I think they'll, they've probably run into a thing or two at Ole Miss that has raised enough of a red flag that Lane Kiffin is not a candidate for Florida at this time. So I'll get that out of the way real quick. Blake, let's talk about some of the other guys. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone that sticks out in particular to you. I know we talked about 
uh, four or five names going in. Uh, any, anybody you want to start with? You know, I think we should start with Billy Napier. You know, I think that that's the one where a lot of smoke is out there on his name. Um, and, you know, for me, you know, that's an offensive guy. You know, you, the more you look into him, you see he's very organized in a lot of things um, that he does from, you know, top to bottom. And I think that that was something that the last staff with Mullen, I thought the organization, especially in the recruiting offices, was something they really lacked, you know. And so I think having someone come in very organized, very detailed. Um, I, I think that that's something that makes him an appealing person to me on top of him being an offensive minded guy. And I think, you know, I do think in general, Florida fans want an offensive guy. I don't think they're opposed to a defensive guy. I think once you start to fill out the staff, you can kind of make sense of that, what you will. But again, I, you know, I think that's just a guy just for my opinion that just checks a lot of boxes off from what Florida fans are looking for and what I think he brings as a head coach. Yeah. I was going to say the, you know, the, the narrative out there, the idea that he's a very, very good organizer. I think, the fact that he's worked, you know, for so many different top-notch coaches over the years. He's worked for Nick Saban. He's worked for Davos Winnie. I think he's a guy that, you know, obviously has had a good up-close look at high-level success in college football. Now, I think the downside to Napier would probably be that he hasn't been a head coach for very long. Right. I do think... Or at a big-time program. Or like at a big-time program. Is looking, you know? That's right, like five right. Where he's at now. And I think, you know, there's other candidates out there that may have a similar profile uh, maybe a Mario Cristobal, where they already have a little bit more of that, you know, big time head coaching experience. Uh, but as far as Napier goes, um, I got to be a little careful with what I say here because it is a fluid situation. Uh, but Blake, you know that we've done a lot of reporting on Swamp Twenty Four Seven already, and uh, I'm going to just shamelessly take this opportunity to plug our sixty percent off promotion. We have a sixty percent off promotion for annual subscribers to Swamp 24-7, where you can read all of our updates on Coaching Scoop. Blake will have plenty of recruiting scoop. That's only going to be available till midnight tonight, guys. So if you want to take advantage of that, please do. Um, but on to kind of a little bit of what we've reported for VIP subscribers. Blake, my sense is very much that, uh, well, not my sense. I know that there is quite a bit of mutual interest between Billy Napier and Florida about the job. I've done a lot of back-end digging uh, with some Louisiana contacts, um, both on the ULL side and at LSU. And Billy Napier is going to leave for a bigger job this offseason. Uh, I feel very, very confident saying that. He, uh, the sense around the University of Lafayette from, from some sources that I am you know, have tapped and, and, pl and are plugged into, full disclosure, my sister uh, just graduated there from graduate school. I have numerous family members that went to ULL. Uh, so I have a couple connections in the area. The The sense when the LSU job came open, Blake, was that LSU wasn't really all that interested in Billy Napier. And there wasn't a whole lot of, um, I, I guess, interest is the best way to say it. And, and not only that, but from the ULL side, uh, they initially, I think, were concerned about that LSU job coming open. And, and within a week or two, they felt much better about it from people uh, pretty high up over there at ULL. So... I think there's a lot of interest in Billy Napier, and I'm going to try not to monopolize too much time here, but I think there's a lot of interest in Billy Napier from Florida's end. I do not know if he's the number one target, um, and this will be something we're continuing to monitor at Swamp 24-7. Um, but I do think he checks off a lot, of those, a lot of those boxes, and so I think he's the guy right now that you got to really keep an eye on. Um, let's go ahead and talk some of the other candidates first, and then I think... Uh, what we can do is, is shift maybe towards more of the process and how the timeline may play out. Um, I, I mentioned Mario Cristobal, Blake. I'm curious to get your thoughts on him because I know he's a guy that has over the years recruited extensively in the state of Florida, and I'm sure you've heard things about what he right. might bring to the table. 
you know, for me personally, you know, if I had the, you know, athletic director hat on and I was calling the shots of all the, you know, names that have been floated, linked, hot boards, whatever you want to call it for, you know, linked to the Florida job, Mario Cristobal is my personal favorite. And I say that because you look at the staff that he formed at Oregon. Um, I think he's a really tremendous person in the fact that he builds, you know, a really good staff. Um, he's had some up and down games, you know, lost some games that they should have won. I think that's just part of football. That's part Every of coaching. Coach. Yep. Um, but for me, one of the interesting things for me is that he's an offensive line type of guy. And if you get a guy that's going to be a great play caller, you have, you're able to focus on, yes, being a head coach. And there's a lot of details that go into that. But I think something that Florida really needs is just an infusion on that offensive line. I mean, how many years have we sat there and said, man, Florida can win this game if the offensive line shows up. Man, Florida needs to recruit better on the offensive line. Man, the offensive line this, offensive line that. So I think that that. It, just the fact that him being kind of the guru on the offensive line, um, you know, I think that that's something that's really intriguing to me. I think, again, forming a really – I think, you know, if he's able to form the type of staff that he formed at Oregon, I think that he could do a lot – you know, who it's interesting to me to see what he could do at a school like Florida, you know, where it's really appealing school in the SEC, where I think it would be an attractive spot for a lot of coaches to want to come in and join up with him. Uh, the ties to South Florida – you know, South Florida is, you know, the bread and butter for, you know, any school in the country to recruit at. Um, so I think the ties are interesting there. And even just guys around, you know, the state of Florida, you know, you just see guys from Oregon that are interested or excuse me, guys from Florida that are interested in Oregon. You know, right. it's, it's you see so many guys that visit out there. If you're getting guys to go out there and visit and yes, all those things are cool, the jerseys and Nike and all those types of things, but you're still getting guys from Florida to go out and visit Oregon. You know, you get a guy there that's right there in Florida. I'd really, I'd be really interested to see what he could do as a recruiter because he's got the name of being a really good recruiter. Um, he's got ties to Alabama, um, the offensive line, you know, just pedigree he has there. And I think again, he, he would build a really good staff. So I think for me personally, if I had to throw on, you know, my Homer, you know, AD type of hat, that's the guy that I think is most intriguing to me. And I think the one that I would lean towards, you know, would be you know, not my favorite to land the job. That's not any info, but just my guy that I would think would be my favorite of the groups of guys that have been linked to Florida, you know, just my personal favorite. Yeah. I think after digging in a little bit, I think Napier and Cristobal are kind of one, a one B for me. And I'm, and I'm not sure which order uh, I kind of lean toward Napier being being a, I think the, there's a couple things with, with Cristobal to consider. I mean, number one, Florida's already you know, paid a $10 million buyout for Dan or $12 million buyout. Sorry. You're going to have to pay for Chris. For you're going to have, to, gonna pay. have to pay it's for gonna be pretty it's a, it's a, I think it's around a $9 million buyout. So you're already talking 21 million. And I, and I don't know, I, I don't know the booster side as w well enough uh, for the, the, the big money type boosters that are really making the, you know, driving those kind of financial decisions, whether or not that's a factor. Uh, but I do think that's something to consider. And then the other thing is, uh, the Miami job, you know, it's not officially open yet, but I, I have heard from a lot of well-connected people in this industry that there's something about the Miami job that has always appealed to Mario Cristobal in a way beyond just uh, ties to the area. You know, he, he's very, very, he seems very personally invested in Miami. Oh, he's from it. there too. He was right. born there too. So I think there's always some kind of interest in that too. Right. And, but Regardless I, I, of all the other things that Mar that, that uh, Miami can bring for yeah. a guy like that. I'll but, share you know, one. There's always that. Yeah. I'll share one story I heard and, and I don't, this is a secondhand source, but uh, you know, when Cristobal was, was at Alabama, apparently he would be livid sometimes when Alabama would go in and, and take a recruit from South Florida that Miami was also recruiting. Like he, he thought that shouldn't happen. Like, and he, he was literally frustrated by that. The story that was relayed to me by somebody I trust, not not firsthand info, um, but he seemed the way it was explained to me is it, he seems like a kind of guy that that 
that would have special allure. Born in Dade, stayed in Dade type of thing. With right. And the, and the other thing is, you know, you can make the argument that would he want to come back to Florida? You know, he's in Gainesville. That's close enough to South Florida. It's not really an easy flight for like there. You know, I mean, you you've been in Gainesville. You can't just really hop on a flight, go down to Miami. So it's it's maybe not as close as it seems. Uh, but I think anyway, that's something to consider. Um, I don't know who you want to talk next. Do we need to talk Bob Stoops? I mean, do we need to throw that one out there? That's like the unicorn of every uh, Florida. <laughs> I know it's station. out there, and I know that I laugh at that. I don't think it's completely outside the realm of possibility. But, but I'd be very surprised. I go back to what Strickland said about wanting a guy that can sustain high-level success over a long period of time. And Bob Stoops is getting up there in age, man. And if there's anything that we've learned over the last couple of years, it's that the game evolves pretty rapidly. And what you need to get used to in college football uh, I mean, shoot, just the early signing period has has created a huge wrinkle in terms of the timeline process for hiring coaches, right? So it's something that's always evolving, and I, I just don't think that's the direction that Florida needs to go. I understand there's there's probably a lot of, you know, old-school booster types that, that love Bob Stoops and, you know, kind of credit him in a lot of ways for helping win that 96 title, but I don't see that, Blake. I, I think the other interesting name is is actually Mark Stoops. See, that's where I'm at too. I think if you if a Stoops was going to be realistic, I think it would be Mark. And I know you said that there's some ties, I believe, somewhere along yeah, the line. Yeah, Scott Strickland. And Scott Strickland worked extensively in Kentucky's uh, sports information department back in the day, and he's very close with Mitch Barnhart over at Kentucky. And so I think if you were, you know, looking for a guy who maybe probably isn't necessarily high up on the public radar right now that Strickland would be able to easily back channel with and, and have a pulse on exactly how well Stoops has done at Kentucky. I think he's a guy you watch for now, like from my standpoint, I, I actually thought Mark Stoops has done a really, really good job at Kentucky and I've always been high on him, but I was surprised. I went back and looked, you know, when I was kind of making a, a point about how college football has changed so much in explaining, you know, things have shifted for Dan Mullen. And this was a couple weeks back. I looked at it. Uh, Dan Mullen's, record at Mississippi State playing in a much more difficult division is a lot better than Mark Stoops is currently is. And that to me is a little bit of a red flag because Kentucky's made some investments in facilities. Um, they've got the best facilities that they've had for football ever. And they, they've put a lot of work into the infrastructure. So I'd be concerned that he's not winning at a higher level at Kentucky. You know, he's done some very impressive, th- impressive things there. So I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay any of that. But I, I personally would worry about that translating. Yeah, I would too. You know, I just he he could build a program up from the ground up. I just feel like that's very similar to you know where you mentioned before, where a lot of coaches want to do something different than the one behind him. I just don't know that there'd be a lot of differences between what what Florida had and what they would get in him. Yeah. So, Blake, let's. Matt Campbell seems like the other yeah. guy. Matt yeah. Campbell seems like the other guy. I think he's the hot name that's been on every coaching staff the last coach. couple of years. Iowa State head coach, you know, that's a program that, you know, who would have thought that, you know, they're at what were top 10, 15 team yeah, heading into the season. Yeah, exactly. So he's definitely a guy that, you know, has built up a program, but it seems like there's been a little bit more sustainability. I don't think this year is really what they probably would have wanted for a lot of things, but I think it's it's commendable what he's been able to do there. Yeah. I mean, from afar, I don't see, I don't know as much about Campbell and uh, I don't know. If, I don't I want to say that makes me hesitant on on discussing him or anything but uh, i just frankly don't i haven't had as many connections reach out or offer info on him that i would trust so i don't know i'm completely looking at that from afar i think what he's done at iowa state is hard to deny but i don't know that he has the kind of ties maybe to the southeast that you would wait you know you would kind of want 
in a coach. Seems like a Midwest type of guy, though. Right. Like the, I don't know that he's the guy you want if you're looking for a big sudden uptick in recruiting. And, and not that that's the only focus. I mean, I think he's done a really good job organizing that program over at Iowa State. There's some unknowns, though. Yeah, I just, to me, I'm not, I'm not really in the camp that, that he's high up on the list right now. So. I'm not either, but he's worth mentioning because, you know, he's, yeah. he's, well, yeah. I mean, he's on whatever school you want to mention. Yeah. They've got a hot board. He's on it. And it, and it sounds like, you know, he may be in play for the LSU job, too, which I, I think that could potentially have trickle-down impacts with Florida as far as LSU. I mean, I, I do think if LSU were to reciprocate interest with Billy Napier, that could change the dynamic. Right now, that's not happening. Uh, I feel pretty pretty strongly about that from the sources we've spoken to. Um but yeah, so that I think, you know, the LSU domino, I don't know exactly when things will happen on different jobs or how related they are. So like, maybe let's talk about timeline. Like what, what is your, I mean, what's your just general expectation of how fast this kind of needs to happen for Florida uh, to, to maybe get ahead of things before early signing period? Or does that not need to be like, do you, can you not worry about that almost because you got to get the right guy? Uh, you know, I think if you know you have the right guy, I could see some, maybe some movements on a timeline. But for me, I just think the early signing period has just gotten to be so important. And you've got that first weekend of December, uh, the 4th through the 6th. That's usually the first official visit weekend that you have, you know. So I would think, you know, from my knowledge of, you know, the early signing period and, you know, where Florida's at ranked in the 40s right now in their class. And you've got guys that have already left and a guy like Isaiah Bond, uh, Jamarian Burt, who left the class too, you know, after the announcement of Mullen. Um, I think you're going to need to start giving some guys some clarity, you know, that's in your class more. You don't want to continue to lose some of the guys in your class, you know, the Nick Evers, um, you know, the Jaden Gibsons and, and plenty of other guys in there too. So you're going to have guys are going to be able to take another official visit if they choose to, since Florida's had a head coaching change. Um, so I think from just a recruiting standpoint, I think ideally having something at least kind of figured out um, before that first weekend of December, you know, you have guys come in there and take the visits and get to know the guys um, and kind of go from there as you try to fill the class in before the early signing period. And I think, again, the early signing period being where it's at and where a lot of the coaching carousel starts, I just think it's very important to have some kind of idea by, you know, when December starts to crank up. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other thing to consider is, I, you know, Florida wanted to be patient with Dan Mullen, but I, th- I think it would be naive to assume that, like, this search is on day two right now or whatever, it sure. is, you know, day one, day two, because quite frankly, you, you just – you don't make that kind of decision unless you've you've considered some alternatives, some plan B's like that. If you're in that chair as AD at Florida, you've you've done some homework already. I would imagine most of that started probably after the Georgia game, where you're starting to think, okay, if not, then you know you think the South Carolina game. Yeah, like where just, I mean, that thinking, was just a bad slap in the face type of loss. Yeah, where you're thinking, okay, if this goes worst case scenario, what am I going to do if I'm Scott Strickland? And I think they've probably already back channeled quite a bit. You know, Strickland is very, very connected to the agent world. He's very connected to, you know, all those back end channels that he needs to kind of get thing, get a pulse on things, so to speak. And that's why I do think the timeline will will happen relatively quickly. I think you're probably going to not see anything official until some games are played and there's coaches still playing games. Billy Napier will be playing a conference championship game that first week of December. So I don't you know, if he's the guy, I don't know if if. Maybe it comes out that he's, you know, he's expected to take the Florida job and then they announce officially after that. I'm, that's pure speculation on my part. Don't have any inside info on that. If we get sure. it, it'll be on Swamp 24-7. Uh, but I do think right now, 
based on on our reporting, I think Florida is very much engaged with Billy Napier. And I think once that usually starts to happen, what you see is leverage cards being played. You know, uh, if Billy Napier is interested in Florida and knows he has a really good offer from Florida, there's literally nothing that should stop him from reaching out to LSU and saying, hey, if you guys want me, man, now's the time, you know, to make an offer and, and kind of push your leverage card that way. And it's it's the thing that, you know, agents are extremely good at. You know, I'm not saying that he's doing that and would pick uh, Florida over or would pick LSU over Florida. I don't know that. We'll get more info. Um, but I think that's a significant factor potentially. And I think what we're probably going to see here is over the next couple of days, don't be surprised if there's not a whole lot of news. Typically, when you go through these coaching searches and we saw this, as kind of the Chip Kelly thing heated up and then it really kind of hit a lull for a couple days. And it wasn't until we found out kind of after the fact, after Chip Kelly kind of eventually told them later in the week, hey, not really interested that things happen very quickly with Florida's next target, right? So I think if you're, I think I feel pretty good about Billy Napier being a guy that Florida has heavy interest in. Is he number one? Not sure right now, but I think you're going to see probably a little bit of a lull here as you know, again, games are still waiting to be played as as leverage cards get played um, between different universities, uh, between different agents and the coaches. Uh, Blake, I don't know if there's anything else that we need to hit on. That was kind of my take on, on just laying Nothing out Nothing on a coaching search that I can think of, but uh, you know, from a recruiting update, uh, yeah. four-star defensive lineman Chris McClellan will be making his decision at 3.30 uh, Eastern time today. Um, Alabama, Florida, Oklahoma, LSU, Ohio State are some of the finalists off the top of my head. 24-7 sports crystal ball still points at Florida despite not having a head coach, um, which is kind of a first for me, you know, yeah. seeing a high profile, you know, on the cusp of a top 100 guy. Um, the intel all still kind of points to Florida. I've thought for a while, Florida, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. it seems like Oklahoma is looking at other guys. I'm really kind of happy with where they're out of the interior part of the defensive line. Florida obviously needs help on the defensive line. Um, so I, you know, at this point, you know, I, I'll have any updates that I hear leading up to that announcement on the, on the side on swamp 24 seven. Um, but for now my picks on Florida and I don't plan to change it. Nice. Yeah. See, I had no idea. I'm, I've been so uh, head, head in my phone and hitting sources and everything. When there's Literally. an update on the site for coaching nuggets at 1am, you know, it's a grind. Yeah, man. Uh, didn't even realize he was, he was committing today. So there you go, man. We got a lot to, uh, to plug on Swamp 24-7. I guess before I sign off, guys, I'm going to remind you real quick, we do have a 60% off an annual membership discount for, for our VIP subscribers on Swamp 24-7. Highly encourage you to check it out. There is never a better time to sign up than when we have a coaching search going on. We're, we're kind of giving you the latest twists and turns on that based on things we can talk about and confirm. And then uh, obviously Blake does just an absolutely tremendous job with recruiting. So check it out, Swamp 24-7, 60% discount until midnight tonight. Hope you guys all take advantage of that. Again, I, I didn't share all of the Billy Napier info that, that I shared with subscribers because, you know, that is a, a, a perk that we provide for them. But if you subscribe, subscribe and sign up, you can also get that. Guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.